0: Hey, this is Randy Robinson and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. Okay, last year our theme uh, was Renew. And uh, we did a pretty deep dive on Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And I want to revisit that today. Um, I've said this before, but I have a running list uh, of sermon ideas and topics for series. Uh, Some of them are my ideas. Some of them are good ideas, and some of them are God ideas. We try to stay away from my ideas and from and good ideas because, how many of you know, a good idea that's not a God idea can become a bad idea. And uh, one of the series that we didn't get to last year as part of the renew theme was called, we were gonna call it Origin Stories or Family of Origin Stories, which we talked about last week on some levels, and I'm gonna revisit some of that today. And I don't know about you and your family, but our family, we are huge superhero movie fans. Um, and I don't know if this is a genre within the superhero genre, but I love Origin Stories. Anybody else love Origin Stories? whether it's a radioactive spider that bites you or watching your parents uh, be murdered, the story and process of how someone comes to become... it's a superhero analogy. It's a, but I love seeing the backstory. I love seeing how someone becomes a hero or a villain, and for those that aren't super, that was a reference to Spider-Man and, and Batman. Um, but these, like these comic book characters, Each of us have our own origin story. And last week we talked about how our formative years, specifically zero to eight, are instrumental in shaping our lives. The things we learned consciously and unconsciously as kids follow us into adulthood. And we focused on Paul's words from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, when he said, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And we said last week that we, a lot of us, have carried inappropriate learned behaviors from childhood into adulthood. And part of the deep change process is going back to correct those parts of our lives or going back to correct those parts of our foundations. Author and and pastor Jason Isaacs says this, many, quote, many of the feelings that we feel and the way we process or don't process those feelings was learned in adolescence. There is no blank canvas on which we start our new lives. Man, that is such a deep and powerful statement. There is no blank canvas on which we start our new lives. Yes, our sins are forgiven and we have the power inside of us to change when we come to Christ. But in order to find wholeness, we all have to work through our brokenness. And brokenness is inevitable because the people who influenced us, our parents, teachers, coaches, pastors, friends, are all broken people. Deep change requires facing the parts of us that need changing or at least acknowledging them. And that requires looking back in order to look forward. And it seems like this is a practice or spiritual discipline that Christ followers resist the most. It's as if that we believe there is an, an amount of spiritual depth that we can get to that will cancel out the painful emotional work that needs to be done to truly change. Now listen, this is important. The purpose of facing your past is not to go back and right every wrong or dig up every skeleton. It's also not a place... it's It's not to place blame, right? We made the mistake. We missed the opportunity. Someone lied to us, hurt us, let us down. But guilt and blame only drain more energy out of us. I love this quote. It says, it might be convenient to blame our upbringing for our problems, but it's not very helpful. Blame often becomes a poison to our healing. The purpose of facing our past is simply to face it. Acknowledge the power and the influence it's had on our lives and begin to move beyond it with the help of the Holy Spirit. In the first week, we talked about, and it was kind of a light-hearted example, but we talked about how it's fun to preach things that everybody already believes and agrees with. Right? When that happens, there's a lot of excitement in the room. There's lots of shouts and amens and clapping, and I'm not against any of that. But I said for this particular series, I'm interested in the quiet work of the Holy Spirit. Moments where we're processing and pondering and thinking through this content. Because we need moments for us to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit to reveal things that he wants to bring healing to. And last week was one of those weeks for a lot of folk. I had a lot of conversations with people who had deep, insightful questions, and I love that. You know, we've said many times that growth comes in the tension. And when all we do is immerse ourselves in an echo chamber of people and things that constantly validate our way of thinking, then we limit our growth. And this is a sidebar completely unrelated to this topic. But I'd encourage every person in this room to have some relationships with folks of different cultures, different races and different political views. We will never grow to our full potential if there's never anything to challenge our thought process. So if you find yourself in an echo chamber and everybody in your circle thinks and acts and believes just like you do, um, you're never going to reach your full potential until you bring someone else out or into your circle or get into somebody else's circle. With that said, I want to continue our thought about going back in order to go forward. One of the questions that's frequently asked of me uh, on this is, is about the topic of salvation or the salvation experience. And I think it's, it's a valid question. The question that I get asked a lot it's, it goes something like this. If I'm saved or born again and all things have become new, like Paul said, we're going to read that verse in a second. Then why do I have to revisit these things in my past? I mean, and I spoke with some folks this week about this and and they had no way of knowing, hey, as we move forward in the series, we're going to address these things. But I want to try to answer this question first by going back to some of the content that we looked at last year from Romans chapter 12, verse two. It says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. One of the definitions for the word renew in Romans 12, 2 is this, a renovation or a complete change for the better. If we are going to experience deep change or be transformed, then we must renovate the way that we think. There must be a complete change for the better. And a renovation implies that there was an existing structure. That structure must be torn down or torn out and something new and better must replace it. And this is exactly what we've been saying. Many of us have faulty foundations. Our spiritual houses are built on instability and we need a renovation. I don't want to hang out here too long because we have a lot to cover today. Another part of the definition of renew is this. It's to cause to grow up. This is last week's message summed up into one verse. If we want to experience deep change, if we want to experience the transformation that talks that Paul is talking about, we must grow up in our way of thinking. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by, let's insert the Greek be transformed by growing up in the way that you think we cannot experience deep change or transformation if we refuse to grow up we can't then he says where he starts off he says do not conform to the pattern of this world and this some of you will remember some of this content this is so important the root word for conform is a greek word called schema and it means habitus now, the biblical definition of habitus this is not a, this is not a common word. We don't really use this in our language that much. Is comprising everything in a person which strikes the senses, the figure, our bearing, or our, our direction, our course, our bearing, discourse, actions, manner of life, etc. Oxford describes habitus this way. It's the con the concept of habitus was pr- proposed. As an integral part of behavior reflected in, listen to this language, and this will be familiar to some of you who have been around a while, reflected in, quote, way of being, including ways of seeing, moving, talking, and so on. Now, this is slightly different verbiage than the biblical verbiage, but it's relaying the same concept as the biblical definition. Now, you can see how the words habit and habitus are somewhat related, but a habit is often something you do While your habitus is who you are, it's our way of being, which again is very important language. If we're going to experience the deep change that Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it's not going to come from creating new habits. It's going to come from creating a new habitus or a new way of being. Now, Some of you, again, will remember from last year, we talked about being before doing. All of our doing for God must flow from our being with God. Pastor and author Pete Scazzaro says this, quote, when we are unhealthy, we engage in more activities than our combined spiritual, physical, and emotional reserves can sustain. We give out for God more than we receive from God. Can anybody relate to that? You're just going and going and going and you're just depleted All of the time. And this is why last year we talked about Sabbath and rest, all those kinds of things. It's all related to this, being before doing. Too many followers of Jesus are chronically overextended and doing more for Jesus than their inner life with him can sustain. It's become normal for us to be overloaded, depleted, and exhausted. It's just normal. It's just what we do. We go to bed tired. We wake up tired. Four hours, three hours, whatever. We skim here. We do whatever, and we just live lives. And, and can I say this is my third year of digging into this content of trying to bring deep change to my own life? And I don't have it all together. There are seasons where it feels like I'm on a merry-go-round just going at warp speed, and I'm just going. I want to get off. It's just, whoosh, 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 whoosh. and in church world and in retail world, some of you serve or, or that's your occupation, retail. It's you know, some days just. When this is over, next Sunday it's already, it's coming. And there's nothing you can do. It's coming. Next Sunday is coming. In retail, the holidays are coming. That's why when you go into Walmart in October or the end of September, Santa is there. There it's just holiday, 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 holiday. In church, it's Sunday Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday. Tractor pool, you come right, roll up, whatever. <laughs> I'm saying that in my own life. I'm trying to say to you that I don't have this all together. This is something that some of you are being exposed to this material, this content for the first time. This is something I've been digging in for this. I'm going on my third year. And Katie and I are still having conversations in our house about what does Sabbath look like? What does it look like to rest we know we have it on the calendar. We have it. We have alarms on our phones. We have all the things to say, do whatever. And then at nine o'clock on Friday, we're still doing church stuff. And I'm like, we're supposed to be resting right now. Our doing sometimes exceeds our being. All right, let me continue on this. The habitus definition. It's a set. Of, it, the habitus is a set of norms and expectations unconsciously acquired by individuals through experience and socialization and internalized as second nature. Again, our way of being. It's just who we are. And it it comes to us unconsciously. So when Paul is saying, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, he's telling us not to allow our way of being to be formed by our social constructs. He says, don't conform... And then he says renew, which means to grow up. Don't conform, but grow up in the way that you think. And again, this is exactly what we were talking about last week. Because of our families of origin, we unconsciously acquire ways of thinking and dealing with our emotions, issues, feelings, and circumstances, right? We all have our own unspoken commandments. If you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. But Paul says it's time to grow up. Our being must come from a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus. And out of that being with God flows everything else. Now, interestingly, while I was studying this, I came across the Hebrew equivalent of the Greek word schema or habitus. And the Hebrew word is pronounced pothal. And two of the definitions were this. And I thought this was very insightful. Hinges and secret parts. A couple of years ago, we gave all of our volunteers on Volunteer Appreciation Night a hinge that was engraved and said pivotal because everything hinges on these, on our volunteers. And we gave everyone a token. The hinge was symbolic for all of the hidden things that were done because hinges are often unseen. But without the hinge, the door can't open or close. Right? We say things like everything hinges on X, Y, or Z. In other words, our habitus or our way of being is the hinge that allows our lives to move from one position to another properly. If that gets out of balance, I mean, have you ever had a door and the hinge is jacked up and you can't open it and shut it and you're lifting this? and You know what I mean? Like That's what our lives are like when our way of being gets out of sync. The other definition of the Hebrew counterpart to habitus was secret parts. Again, another way of saying be... Before you do. Because if our secret lives are out of order, eventually it will reveal itself in our public lives. This should be Christianity 101. This is the most basic of concepts. But as I've said many times, we don't need often more information. We need to do something with the information that we already have. Our culture is training us to only show the best parts of ourselves. And this speaks to the very point that I'm trying to make. Remember how habitus is formed unconsciously. It's it's internalized as second nature. It becomes who we are. We are unconsciously being trained by society to only worry about the outer and public life while simultaneously neglecting our inner life or way of being. Our inner lives are so out of sync with our outer lives that we're no longer shocked and barely even saddened by scandal. And the saddest part is that Christianity, in Christianity, it's, it's difficult to differentiate from the world. Affairs, adultery, drugs, alcohol. No one is surprised when a politician, community leader or pastor is caught doing something that used to be considered immoral. But all of this is a symptom, only a symptom of a disease. It's the fruit, not the root. And until the root is healed, the fruit will always be sick. Let me say it another way. Until the inner life is healed, the outer life will always be symptomatic. Fits of rage, outbursts of anger are symptoms of an inner life that have not been fully healed. Lust. And perversion, gossip, lying, betrayal, addiction, unforgiveness, all outward symptoms of an inner life that has not been fully healed. Now, look, I don't think we're ever going to reach a state where we no longer mess up until Jesus comes to get us or we die and go to heaven. We'll always have to fight temptation. And unfortunately, there will be moments where we fail. That's what grace is for. But the reality is this. We should be failing less and less often. Until our habitus or until our way of being is formed through deep relationship with Jesus and we grow up in the way that we think, we will never experience the transformation or deep change that Paul is talking about. Do not conform. Don't allow your way of being to be unconsciously formed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, what does it mean to be transformed? The word transformed is the Greek word metamorpho. It means to change into another form. It's where we get our word metamorphosis. So transformation is to completely change, which is what we're talking about. Deep change. It's, It's to completely change your form from one to another. It's 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 change going from being one thing to becoming something else. Now we're still answering the question about why we need to face our past even though we've been born again. There are all kinds of transformations and changes that, are, that take place in scripture. Now, all of these examples when you see the word transformation, for instance, is the Greek word metamorpho, but usually the principle is the same. The first and undoubtedly most important transformation for us is our spiritual life. When we go from being dead in our sins to raised to life in Christ. And before I read these next, I'm going to give you three, three areas. But before I do that, I want to, it's important for us to understand, and this could be a whole, a whole series on itself, but this would be five sentences. We are, as people, made up of three parts. Spirit, soul, And body. We are three separate parts, yet still one person. We are a living representation of the mystery of the Holy Trinity God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three separate, yet one in the same. And just as we are made up of three parts, yet one person, we are, let me say it this way we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. The biblical definition of soul in its simplified version is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So I'm gonna brief you briefly, I want to show us three areas of change or transformation in all three of these areas spirit, soul, and then spirit, soul, and body. So in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says this as for you. You were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show us the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And I love this verse this is my one of my life verses. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. What is he saying here? We owed a debt, we were deserving of wrath, the scripture says. But because God is rich in mercy and because of his great love for us, he made another way. If you have accepted the finished work of Christ. On the cross, you are no longer dead in your transgressions and sins. You were dead, but through the grace of God, you have been made alive in Christ from death to life. Transformation, deep change. Do you see that? Second Corinthians 517. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you see the transformation from old to new? So the question is what kind of transformation is this? Spirit, soul, or body? This is a spiritual transformation. Our spirits are changed. Our spirits are brand new. The slate is wiped clean. Remember earlier I said there's no blank canvas. That's, That's talking about our emotions and our soul. But our spirit, our spiritual lives get washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 50. Says this, what I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies, and there's a clue to what we're going to be talking about, our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be changed or transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed or changed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. So what kind of transformation are we talking about here? Spirit, soul, or body? Body. All right, so what does this have to do with anything? This is... It's important to understand, again, what kind of transformation is being talked about. And secondly, and probably more importantly, we need to understand who is doing the transformation. Spiritual transformation only comes from God. We cannot save ourselves. You cannot be good enough. You can't. That's why he says it's not above works, lest any man should boast. It's it's by grace through faith. You cannot be good enough. Spiritual transformation and change only comes from God. There's no other way. Likewise, body transformation only comes from God. So you can cancel your gym membership. (laughs) 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 This obviously isn't talking about our physical health or exercise. The verses we read... We're specifically talking about when we transition from earth to heaven. Our physical bodies must be transformed into spiritual bodies in order to experience the full glory of God. All right, so what's left? We talked about transformation of the spirit. This is obviously the most important thing that could ever happen, is spiritual transformation. Transformation of the body is yet to come. That hasn't happened yet. The only one remaining is transformation of the soul. The soul. Look again, Romans 12 two. do not conform or do not allow your way of being to be unconsciously formed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renovation of your mind, by growing up in the way that you think. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Now, remember, the simplified biblical definition of soul is your mind, your will and your emotions. So the transformation that we're reading about in Romans 12, 2, he says, be transformed by renewing your mind. So the transformation we're talking about is the transformation of the soul. Now, here's why I took the scenic route to get here. Again, spiritual transformation only comes from God. Body transformation, which is yet to happen, can only come from God. But soul transformation comes from us with the help of the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christ follower, your spirit has been transformed. If you have surrendered your life to Christ, you are a Christian, you're Christ-like, you, your life, like when you die, you're going to heaven and that's a much better thing. Your body, if you die, will be transformed. To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. But only you can decide if you're going to have a transformation of the soul. And maybe you're saying, what difference does it make? I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I got my ticket. Because the reality is this. Our mental and emotional or our soul health is a key component to our spiritual health. If you could imagine for a moment, an iceberg, right? We've all heard the facts that only 10% of an iceberg is actually shown. The rest is underneath the surface. Thus, sayings like this, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Our lives are similar in nature. The outer life is just the tip of the iceberg. And the inward life is everything beneath the surface. And more often than not, It's what lies underneath the surface that wreaks havoc in our lives. The link between the health of our spirit and the health of our soul is inseparable. We cannot be mature spiritually while remaining immature emotionally. Let me say it another way. We cannot be mature spiritually while simultaneously acting like a child emotionally. We might be gifted on the job or in our ministries, but at home we're a detached spouse or an angry parent. We might spend time daily in scripture, yet we remain unteachable, insecure and defensive. We might be able to quote the Bible verse by verse, but we remain unaware of the way that we act or react toward others. We might fast and pray regularly but remain critical of others and then we justify it as discernment. We might be hurt by unkind words but say nothing because we avoid conflict at all costs. We talked about that some last week, just unspoken commandments that we live by. We might serve in multiple areas of the church or community yet remain resentful because there's no time for family or healthy self-care. We might look great in front of others but we rarely share our struggles or our weaknesses. Deep change begins with renewing our mind. It starts with growing up in the way that we think. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I reasoned, I thought like a child. When I became an adult, I had to grow up. We have to go back. And identify the inappropriate, childish ways of thinking and behaving that we have unconsciously carried from our formative years into adulthood. Now the good news about Romans 12 too is it's telling us that we can experience complete metamorphosis. Think caterpillar to butterfly. To go from crawling and inching by to flying as a beautiful butterfly. One of my favorite examples, although not as beautiful, tadpole to frog. (laughs) Just as a tadpole transforms from a creature who swims and breathes through gills underneath the surface to a land creature with lungs, we too are undergoing such a metamorphosis. When we come to Christ, our spirits are transformed. Our sins are forgiven. Our past failures are wiped away. But we must also submit to the process of soul transformation. Our mind, will, and emotions must also be transformed. We must grow up. Frogs breathe through gills when they are young, but develop and breathe through lungs as an adult. And many of us, are trying to live in a world that we were no longer meant to live in. We're no longer meant, we no longer have gills, but we're still trying to breathe under the water. And meanwhile, we're choking to death. We say things like, I feel like I just can't catch my breath. And that's because we're living or trying to live in two different worlds. We're trying to breathe under the water, so to speak, but God is calling us to live above the surface. We have to begin to see ourselves as A new creation. I believe that God is calling us today to come up from underneath the surface. Stop gasping for air. It's time to breathe again. To allow the Holy Spirit to breathe life into your spirit. It's time to face and let go of the negative, destructive, inappropriate, childish behaviors that we've carried from childhood to adulthood. Your habitus or way of being doesn't have to be defined by the culture around you. You do not have to be defined by your family of origin. Just because you're surrounded by caterpillars doesn't mean you're not a butterfly. Do not conform. Don't allow your way of being to be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't allow your way of being to be conformed any longer to your formative years, your origin, your family of origin stories. And again, and I told you the first week, I was like, look, there'll be moments this, it feels like you're in a therapy session, and I don't look, I, I'm still trying to figure this out myself. We can't allow ourselves. And, and I've talked about this only in almost in a negative sense, but there are many of you in the room that grew up in a godly heritage. And I, I'm not telling you to not embrace those parts of your, you know what I mean? We, we talked last week about unspoken commandments almost solely in a negative aspect, but there are unspoken commandments that were passed down through, through godliness that you should embrace those. This is how I live because it's in alignment with the word of God. So, I'm not saying that those don't exist. I'm not saying abandon everything about your childhood. But I'm saying if we're going to experience deep change, we've got to go back so that we can go forward. Do not conform. Don't allow your way of being to be shaped by this world, but be transformed or be changed by the renewing of your mind, renovating your mind growing up in the way that you think. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. My hope and my prayer is that we would all embrace deep change. And I know that all of us us are in a different spot on our spiritual journey. Some of you caught a good nap for a good portion of the service, that's okay. Some of you are processing. You're like, I don't, I don't know what this has to do. Like you're still thinking, and, pro- and I'm I'm glad that you are. I'm still processing. Again, this is my third year. I was, in, I was deeply immersed in this for an entire year before I presented it to the church at all. And I think this is a key that's missing. It's missing in our, our churches because. And I said last week, I, not, I, I, I don't ever want to devalue what God does at an altar. We may have a moment in a, few, in a few minutes where people are at the altar seeking God and praying. And God meets us there. Thank God for that. I never want to devalue that. But when we walk out of this door, out of this environment, there's something special that happens in corporate worship where we lift our voices together. I love the culture of our church where you sing. Those are my favorite Sundays. And I'm like, you sound good this morning. And I step out of the mic and I can hear you singing on your own, lifting your voice to the Lord. There's something special that happens when we do that together. But when you leave and it's just you and your car, that's no longer there. And you have to have a way to walk out your faith. I need a way to walk out my faith. And when those unhealthy unhealthy habits and patterns and sins and things that I've been dealing with since childhood just keep coming and keep coming, again, it's a symptom of a root that's unhealthy that needs to be healed. And I believe, again, in in a moment, Jesus can bring healing, and then you walk it out. Can we close our eyes. Would you bow your heads? Or just on behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.